cutting it really well. All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back for another episode of Naked Sunday. I'm your host, Caleb Nelson. I have the pleasure of welcoming my friend, Chris Donnell. I'm saying your last name right, correct? Well, I mean, it's Donnell, Donnell but okay. it's whatever. I mean, we you have Rosie O'Donnell and then you have Chris O'Donnell, but I'm just Chris Donnell. Chris Donnell. There we go. I mess up names all the time. So glad that I'm clarifying what it is right now. I always like to start off my episodes with why I appreciate my guests. And I feel like ever, I felt like we had like this, a random connection. It was, I met you through Instagram or something like that. I just followed up in it. And we've had probably, I don't know, four or five conversations. It feels like at this point and each and every one of them, I feel like it's, I'm just at this place in my life where I don't like pithy small talk. I like rich, deep, meaningful conversation. And every single time you're that kind of guy who's like, I'm ready to go there. And it's not something you shy away from. So I really enjoy that uh, because I feel a lot of people are afraid to just have those types of conversations. And I appreciate anybody who's willing to just, yeah, just, just talking about the weather is just not a it, it serves its point and then you got to transition to real conversation and that's what I really enjoy about where our conversations it's 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 real it's authentic it's and it's substantive and and I that's something I really really appreciate about anybody who's a communicator or coach or leader in this world is being able to be real and authentic so thank you for being you and thank you for being that for for bringing that to the table thank you and I mean I think it's always because of meaning I you know, everything I do is trying to have meaning in life. And what's the point of a meaningless conversation? That is a great point. Um, to that effect, you know yourself better than I do. So my first question is, who are you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's one of those questions that I actually spent years discussing and thinking about. And it actually when I thought about that question, like, who am I? I, it came along with who am I? What am I doing? Why am I here? Meaning on this earth, um, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Where do I want to take my life? And all of those questions for me kind of were, were like a tornado of like thoughts of, well, I could do this. I can do that. I could be this. I could be that. And for me, coming to the conclusion of like who I am really got down to who I was not, um, how I wanted to show up, but how I did not want to show up. And for me, authenticity was the most important thing. I knew that I could not show up living a lie. I don't, I don't believe in that. I just, I believe in the truth. And I grew up as a, in the South, raised by two Baptist preachers, son, preacher kids, and I, all of these things in my life, I've been taught to be a certain way, but I had to figure out what that looked like for me, especially because once I started realizing that, hey, Chris, you're a little bit different from everybody, and I don't know why, so like you, you start looking at like, well, oh, you start having these when you start having a level of attraction and things like that. And I'm like, when people started asking me questions, like, where's your girlfriend and things like that. I was like, I don't have a girlfriend. And, and then over the years and I got older and older. And then I was like, 
well, why do I not have a girlfriend? You know, I started asking those questions and and then like, because I was like, well, I think Beyonce's pretty, you know, I think she's cute. And then, because I would, I rationalized that with the same way I rationalized, oh, I think he's cute. Because at that point, like, and this is like, I would say 18 through 21 or so, mm-hmm. I would say I didn't really have like that sexual attraction to people it really was just kind of like i think he's gonna cute and i think it also was emotional too it was more so like i really was about having that friend connection just just being able to have a like these conversations and it's like completely platonic not thinking about anything else no alternative motives and for me once i realized that hey you know what Yes, you've had all those thoughts and things like that. I think you, I think you're gay, hmm. and, and this is what I'm talking to myself. I'm gay, all right. But what is it that defines you, and what does not define me? And I don't necessarily think being gay defines me. I think it's all. It's kind of like the same thing as like a color that I um, of the skin. Like it's a black skin, um, wh- whatever. It's it's hmm. a piece. And so when I, when you ask the question, who am I, I really just come back to that place of authenticity and truth and love that, that for me really is what I want to be and what I strive to be and what I fail at all the time. Um, But I always try my best to just be love and truth. That's kind of like my mantra and that is always in the back of my head. And I bring it up every single time when I feel like I'm not being loving and when I'm not being truthful to either myself or other people, I always just think love and truth, love and truth, love and truth. Because at the end of the day, for me, I know that life is much bigger than me and the things that I'm doing right now, and it's bigger than money, it's bigger than houses, it's, it's bigger than everything because, you know, they say you can't take it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you die, and I really have always—I really, through from my personal journey, I, I started at the end, right at the funeral. Like, if I were to observe my funeral, what did I want that to be like? Was it going to be no one there? Do I care? You know, all those things, and like, what do I want people to say about me when I'm gone? Mm-hmm. Um, and do I even care, right? Uh, so, and I think I say all of this just to say, when you ask me who I am, I don't attach myself to whatever I do. Mm. What I do is not who I am, right? Who I am, the essence of who I am is love and truth, because that's my soul connected to the personality that's here and will always be here no matter what, I think that that's a really interesting, uh, there's two things that came to mind as you went through that. One was first, how you said you came to finding who you are, but leaning first into knowing what you are not. So I think that's really an interesting backstop. I think there's something there. And I like to spend a lot of time, and obviously you being a coach, I think that's really cool that you're talking a lot about, like, let me start with the end in mind and work myself back from that. And you're really asking yourself at the end of life, what's going to matter the most. 
And I think those are two, I spent a lot of time thinking about those things as well. Um, those are just two things that really stuck out for me. I, I, I like that because those are good starting places for a lot of people. And, and uh, I, I love how it brought you to this, this simple concepts for yourself and what you try to embody love and truth. And I think that's really um, enriching and, and loving. I think it's really cool to just connect yourself to that. So I take it there's a pretty interesting story in here, how we got here. So you said growing up in, because now you're, because lead it, we can lead it all the way up to like, what are you, what are you doing right now and how you're helping right. and inspiring other people, which I'm really curious about what inspired all this. So you said grew up in the, in the South Baptist, uh, preacher parents. That's what that you said. I, I kind of mix that yeah, up a little bit. Grand, so take me my through granddaddy, it. my granddaddy is a preacher. My dad was a preacher, mm-hmm. always going to church Monday through Friday, you know, the total preacher kid, choir in choir, um, Sunday, in church all day Sunday and it just was like part of the culture Mm. that I grew up in and it for me it allowed me to be exposed to Baptist religion but also Christianity and the teachings of God and Jesus and I've always been a curious person and so I used to always ask the question I remember asking my dad one time because say anybody that understands Christianity, there's the Trinity, there's like God, Jesus, and the Son. Or, and I was like, well, are they three different people? I, I like I remember asking in the, and I remember um, him trying to explain it to me, but I also remember not really understanding it. And so I think that always sparked my curiosity for realizing that I think it's important for me to um do my own thinking and also do my own research to figure out the answers that I'm looking for and it's important not to rely on one source Mm -hmm. and I think that's also that academic in me right like if I write a paper I'm not just going to write based off of one source it's going to be over a multitude of sources to see if I'm getting the, the answer that I'm really looking for so now take me all the way up to, to where you're at now where you're coaching people. Cause it, what, what's interesting to me is, is, is your story that brings it to us. What inspired you to go down this path with helping others and describe me a little bit what happens there too. Once, once you get to that space. So I would say because growing up in the church, I did have that faith and the belief of servant service mm-hmm. and I've always been um I remember as young as I can remember I I've spent Thanksgivings uh feeding homeless um or the unsheltered um and Christmas giving gifts to other people or always or going shopping for other people for Christmas um and these are people that I don't know and just like wrapping their presents and doing things like that and then whenever I was in school always wanting to be the helper or in home wanting to be the helper I always was looking for ways I could contribute and um and that's what really makes me happy I don't look 
I, I don't look to help other people because I can get something out of it. And it actually was a kind of a, a mind shock or a culture shock when I remember taking like sales classes and things like that. And it was like, and how business is so transactional and like you do this and I do that and like all that. It was like, oh, that's how people are. Or like, if I do this for you, then you have to do something for me or, or vice versa. I was like, I didn't realize that. It, it, and I know it sounds like so naive, but it, I, I really do have like that little dreamer uh, naivety in me that sometimes like I, I don't see that. And that's why I love having coaches too, because I do have a blind spot and I do, I recognize it. Um, but service it's all about service. It's all about how can you help other people? Because I, every time I give, you know, the funny thing with what I just said, you know, like I don't intend on getting anything back, but you know what I usually do, I get whatever I put out there, I usually get it back tenfold. What, and it doesn't have to be the exact same thing. It could be anything. It could be just the, the spirit of giving, like, and even like our conversations, you know, giving and taking or whatever I enjoy I get so much energy and life out of just having a good conversation with people and I think that's something that I've been very grateful to have even you know through our um, conversations absolutely so I'm curious then in the coaching space now who do you typically work with and what do you see as being like a lot of the problems that are people in general struggle with, is it communication? Is it being authentic? Take me through a little bit about some of your, your experiences with, with the people you work with. So here's the thing. I, I do work with a specific group of people and mm-hmm. usually there are people in times of transition at a crossroads in their lives. Um, and they're looking for, what do I do next? Where do I take this next? And it's really, I work with, you know, people around 25. And I remember what 25 looked like for me. And I was like, you know, going through the questions, who am I, what am I supposed to do? Uh, where, and then like, <laughs> figuring out like, where do I even live? Like, do I want to stay here? Do I want to move there? And then thinking about like, when I'm got, I need to get married and, or I need to be married by such date, or I should make, um, I should be at a hundred thousand dollars by this time, or my um, I needed to be on the thirty under thirty, and I only have like five years left. <laughs> like, how does that happen? You know, like how do I make these things happen? And um, it's all it's it's because I get it. I I think that it resonates with the people that I tend to gravitate towards, which is like I said, twenty five year olds that are going through um, moments of, I call it a crisis. Like I really, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm a good crisis communicator, like regardless of what situation it is, whether it's your life or even in business, I'm one of those people that can handle crisis and very calm, very just as a matter of fact, and like, let's do this, 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 you know, let's move. And like very, um, almost, um, what do you call it? Not, not just diplomatic, but, um, um, in the in the military kind of like style like not not like the mean but like the like you do this you do this let's, let, let, and let's move like as a 
as a force or um, I don't know how to call it. Kind of like regimented? Yeah, regiments. Yeah, like whatever, you know, like I can, in my head, I think back to like the Civil War in times it's like your front line, your front line men get ready, pull the gun, up and shoot. And kind of like, that's like, in coordination like everybody let's get in coordination. Ah, I like that. in coordination in formation right okay in formation you got well it. i gotta imagine that especially well you're what i'm hearing is that i know what i felt like at 25 there's a 25 26 like you're perhaps like that lost feeling of, well what what's next for me and having somebody who's going to be calm with sorting out the the chaos that is all that uncertainty and giving you succinct plans. Yeah. I could see why that's such a benefit to people. So yeah, what, and, some, and someone that actually, in addition to someone who's been there, but also someone who has had so much experience outside of it. So I not only have I been in that situation, but I also have so much experience of value because I've been in many places I can kind of help you figure out well I can kind of foreshadow or give you advice on the fact that uh, if you want to do this route this is what's most likely going to happen so it's kind of like giving you a little bit of a forecast like a weatherman a little bit like a weatherman for your life so crisis communicator and weatherman so maybe like i am just like this tornado um specialist like on tv which is so funny but whatever it'd be a hilarious marketing campaign a bunch of memes around that you gotta get like twister your life pictures. Is, your life your life is like and then like have you ever seen the movie twister oh yeah you, it's like one of my favorite movies whenever it's on i always stop watching i stop to watch it but um it's like you know when Helen Hunt and um, the other guy and and whatever his name is, they like the twister has like happened and like they're holding on for dear life yeah. at the bottom. It's like I feel like that's how people are when they come to me in their lives. They're like, I'm holding on for dear life, but I don't know. I I feel like I barely made it through this last one, and if another one comes, I don't think I'm gonna make it. Mm. And that's the reality. That's the reality that a lot of people show up as. I've made it this far. I don't know how I've made it, but I don't think I can keep making it. <laughs> I need to figure something else out, right? Something with more of a plan, yeah. Well, you also brought up a couple interesting things about I was supposed to do this, supposed to do that. I want this by this. I want this by that. Does that tend to be something you see that's weighing a lot of people down, like this notion of expectations? From, from different places, right? From whether it's self-imposed or if it's external from maybe your family, your friends, whatever that looks like. And I would say social, we, and I know a lot of people talk about it, but social media is one of those big influencers on expectations. You see people that look just divine, like best, the best hair, best bodies, best lashes, best money. They're driving cars and nice suits, eating at the best restaurants and all of these things. But what people don't realize is that, you know, those are people's best moments. It's kind of like the slideshow of your life. If you ever 
remember senior high school or any at the end of a program where it's like you've gone through maybe 90 days or a whole year and then like you want to put the the memories of your slideshow up that goes by you remember as we go on we remember (laughs) friends forever you know it's that moment and that's what instagram is and people don't realize that in between those memories that are put up there life has happened you know there's been heartbreak um down moments loss everything's happened in between but we don't show those things we don't no one wants you don't get a lot of likes when you say i'm having a bad day because when you do that people say oh they're just seeking attention and they're just like this right you don't get you don't get the same likes versus like the fitness guy that puts like he he knows exactly the right angle the right whatever and he has like perfect abs and everything and the perfect flex and he but what people don't realize is that the moment he goes eats a cheeseburger or a hamburger or, or like a pizza or whatever and not flexing and not like just in real life he is not really that you know jacked but i mean he still might look good but he's not like that mm-hmm. perfect image and i think that's really where you got to kind of start being able to discern for yourself what is it that you truly want do is is that even something that you even want for yourself and why do you want it because if you want it for someone else that's 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 going to be tiresome it's got to be something that you want for yourself and because I can, because like I say, I, if you want like six pack abs, all that stuff, do it for you. Don't ever do it for someone else. And like, because some people are very comfortable with the little teddy bear. You know, I mean, that's, I call, I actually, me and my friends, I, I joke, I was like, Pelly Tubbies. I call people with a little fluff Pelly Tubbies. Um, and it's, <laughs> you want your little Telly Tubby. And I never really watched Telly Tubbies. I just, it was just a little funny name with a little, with a little cushion, you know, sometimes people want a little cushion, but whatever, mm. it's, it, but it's what you want. And I, I joke, but it's truly, it's figuring out what you want. And that's, that's why it's important for you to be mindful of your beliefs and expectations, because you can go down a whole spiral and get out of control. That's where the tornado comes really, truly. If I were to sit here and really give a whole lesson on beliefs and expectations and how that triggers and creates emotions you i mean you would really start to see your life a lot differently um but that's for another coaching session (laughs) well let's get insight now this is something i've been just talking about this with a lot of people recently so i'm curious on your take on it they make the decision. All right, I'm changing. I'm sitting down. I'm working with with Chris now. They've defined that. What is and, the, and because you brought up, hey, I've been there, and when I went through the changes and I made these decisions, I started pivoting my life. What are some of the first things that start to come up when somebody is like, all right, I'm going on this path to change? What are some of these mm-hmm. obstacles we start to see along that path? Hmm. I think the first, I believe the first obstacle that most people see is the one with themselves. 
I think that they realize that, hey, I'm, I've been the one that has been contributing most to where I am today, right? And, then, and what I mean by that is people start to take more responsibility for where they are and who they are in life because they, through, especially working with me, I like for people to see that, you know, we have more control, more power than we really think we do. And when we stop blaming, when we start looking at ourselves, being more aware of how we act and how we interact with people and how we manage our emotions and how we manage our relationships, how we show up for ourselves, how we show up for other people, that's that, that's usually when they start to realize, wow, that I've been the I've been the obstacle, right? And if I can just figure out a way to get out of my way, what what can I do? The world opens up, and 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 that's the work that we do. We work on being more self aware, being more able to manage our emotions, being more aware of how we're re reacting to things and how we interact because it matters. In fact, I mean, most employers today are looking at um, emotional intelligence as one of the key factors in productivity and performance. So it, it's very important. It, it's, I think it's, it's something that people may have seen as a soft skill Recent, but up until now, but today, emotional intelligence is a key performing indicator that is going to kind of cut the, the lines down the row of the people who are productive and who are not productive and the people who are excelling and who are not excelling. So I, and that's, if anything, I would leave today, if any advice that I would give today or any message that I would leave today the biggest thing that, that I would share is check in on your emotional intelligence to see where you are, you know, and, and, and what I mean by that, like how self-aware are you? How are you reacting? How are you interacting? And what are your emotions look like? How are you empathizing with people? Those are things that really matter and it matters how you treat yourself and how you treat other people all day long. You brought up something really interesting there about people taking responsibility for their actions. Uh-huh. And I and I, I like that how you really got that that, that first your, how was your statement? I really liked it. Oh my gosh, it was the first kind of words that you said about that. Uh, you are the one who impacted to some of those it's like once they acknowledge you're the real your it was your behaviors that got you here, more or less. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is at the core of people struggling to come to terms with that? that because everything is so external. Mm. I think I think it's most people aren't internal thinkers. They don't um, think about what's going on inside because usually what's going on inside is a whole mess, and it's like no no one really wants to to clean up that mess, mm. right? Because you thought. Because not only is it a mess, but it's not the most, it's not the easiest thing. And it's not the most pleasant thing to experience either. You know, there's pain, there's trauma, 
there's all kinds of stuff going on on the inside when it's much easier to blame mama, daddy, sister, brother, coworker, boss, traffic, the person in front of you, he sold the last piece of sugar, you know, like it's so much easier to be able to do all of those things. Um, And instead of just saying like, you know what, maybe if I woke up a little bit earlier, I, um, I could have, you know, made a difference. Um, I could have, you know, if I, I would not be in, I wouldn't care about the traffic if I woke up 15 minutes earlier because I could get there on time. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, it's just really the way we look at things and changing those perspectives. But it's really big on looking on the inside because we don't want to do that. And like I said, I, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, it took me years. I mean, and it takes years. It's not like, I don't even think it's a finite point. It's a moment where you begin to start looking in, right? That's great insight. And I, uh, I echo those same thoughts. I think that, I think there's this fear around taking a responsibility for everything. And I think it's a key sign of leadership of even taking fault for sometimes things that aren't even your fault and saying like, I'm going to own this. I saw, I was at a recent conversation about that um, with somebody um, and I simmered on that for a little bit because it was really interesting to think about that, especially if you're looking to make change, just taking accountability, like say, I'm, all right, we're going to, we're going to start here. And the responsibility is going to be on my shoulders. I've seen, and I'd be curious to see if you've seen anything different. I think a lot of people are afraid that once they put all that responsibility on their shoulders, well, what if they fail? What if they're not perfect where they can be called out on it? There can be a new sense of judgment that comes along with it. Um, and that makes me think of, I know like uh, you've probably heard the man in the arena. That's uh, Teddy Roosevelt, but I know like LeBron James talks about a lot. And so that's why it's like always in the public eye recently. Um, at least it's why I see it in the public eye recently. It's not the critic who counts. It's the man who, in the arena. Yes. Yes. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, but I think that's also why we admire the great leaders they're willing to take the responsibility of that and, and champion that and along with it, deal with the criticism and still look to stay true to themselves. And I think that fear of, well, now it's all on me. I think that can be quite overwhelming for a lot of people. So I think especially if the people feel wronged or anything like that, in their past, right. even taking responsibility for that and that and saying like my response and so my feelings and my things, like I'm responsible for those things. That's, there's even usually like an identity piece that's wrapped up into it, whether it's the trauma or the pain, the whatever, to let go yeah. of those things and to say, I'm no longer, um, I'm no longer possessed by that. I'm no longer controlled by that. Well, now what am I? Right. I, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm, wondering where there's I mean I gotta imagine it's fearful it's like oh well I'm not this identity what I how do I identify myself now what do I stake my claim on what do I feel confident in being but I think it's what you're really talking about bringing to the table is let's focus on that and that's going to be a challenging scary process but we're going to go through something together and having somebody 
guide you as a mentor coach, whatever title you want to use with it through that makes you feel a little more confident, a little more stable, a little more reassured that there's somebody at least a couple steps ahead that can say, Hey, here might be some of the pitfalls. This is how I dealt with some of these things. This is might be another alternative strategy for you to work through that. That's why I see the value, such deep value in the work you do and other coaches who help other people go through these transformative experiences of when they're at a, an inflection point in their life. That mid-20s, uh, for everybody, but I especially know like that later 20s for, for men tends to be a big transition as well mentally. So I think what you're doing is really cool. Um, talk a little bit more about the emotional intelligence in the workplace. You brought that up there a second ago. When okay. did you start what attracted you to that? When did you start seeing some of that? And like working when you're working with your organizations, what's kind of the conversation that's wrapped around it? What are you, what are they seeing as a problem in their organization? Yeah. So for I want to jump back just to the the whole thing about people and not being wanting to to go deep inside because of the fear. Sure. And what the fear is is the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. which we are all afraid of that but what what courage is courage gives us that strength to enter into the arena and sometimes courage has to be built because like you said there are some things that we go through life that have just broken us down to our core where we just can't and we just can't no matter what we try to do we just can't get into the arena and maybe, and the thing is, sometimes it, and not just, it takes time to get into the arena. And, and just to go with that metaphor, no one jumps in the arena just ready to fight the champ, right? You don't just jump in the arena and say, like, oh, I'm those, you know, because it's, I think we're in a timely space, right? Of those, the, the recent people who have been, you know, fighting in the arena, like Logan, I think his name, and fighting the heavyweight champion, or I, I don't know if he's heavyweight, whatever, Floyd Mayweather and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's not necessarily what real people do, right? We, but even Logan, I believe, trained. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the message. You got to train yourself. You need, and what is a great fighter you have? A good coach, right? You know, someone holding that beanbag for you to, to hit on the little you know, once you giving them a little water on the side and, you know, encouraging you to keep going, you know, that's what you need because you got to be able to train to get into the arena because the arena is unknown. It's scary. Right. And, and, and to keep going with that, the workplace is the unknown. Right. And we spend so much time in this unknown. Think about this. You do at least 40 hours a week. Four day, four, four weeks in a month. That's 160 hours over across across the entire year. It's about 2,000 hours, you know, give or take, right? Depending on your vacation, but you're spending 2,000 hours in the unknown, right? In this, especially when you're entering into the workforce, you're like, this is a jungle that I have no idea how to navigate. Do I want to go hang out with the, these group of animals or these group of animals? What kind of foods am I supposed to eat? Like, where am I supposed to go? Who are my people? Where's my tribe? 
uh, what am I supposed to be doing? Of, you know, like, am I supposed to go get the food or who's getting the food? Like, who's cooking it? Like, what is going on? And I think those, that's what I help you figure out. Like, I love those metaphors, by the way. Right. And also, and then for, and then for the, the um, millennials, mean girls, uh, because that visual came to my head, it's kind of like, where do you sit at in the cafeteria? You know, do you sit with the jocks, the cheerleaders, the, the misfits, the, the nerds, the, the music people, like, where do you sit? And so, Who's Regina, Regina George? Got to and help you figure figure out where to who where to sit. You know? Oh, that's great. So, like, I mean, but that's kind of like because think about this: up until college, like you're 21, for most people, if you do choose to go to college, you have been given basically a path, like that's pretty much tried and true. You, you go through kindergarten, first, second, third, all the way up to 12th grade. And then if you choose to go an extra four years, and some people choose to go an extra three years for law or a med school, um, and then another, you know, or PhD or something like that. So we have like this journey and track that is almost, you know, really well, well known. But then there's people that that doesn't fit for. And it's those people that are over here that are like, oh, oh, what do I do? And then, but also it's the people that after you figured that part, like after you, your time is up at maybe bachelor's, like you're 21, well, okay, let, let's jump into the ocean and figure out what to do now because I have like all these wide open opportunities, but I don't necessarily know which one is for me. Mm-hmm. And so in the workplace, that is really where I help you navigate where you need to be and what it is that you need to do. And again, how do you show up? Because that's what's important. It's important on, are you showing, like, where do you want to be? Like, are you trying to advance your career or are you just want, do you want to stay in the same position? Like, are you good being a web developer? And that's all you want to do. Just keep doing that. You want to do a good job being a web developer. Or do you ever see yourself going into management, maybe becoming a senior web developer, helping coaching others, or maybe a product management, vice president of technology? Like, is that your route? Do you want to be more of a leader or do you want to kind of stay where you are? But then also, where does that match your personal life? Like, is are you making the money that you want to make? Are you getting doing the things that you want to do outside of work? Is your life, is your life happy? Are you satisfied? Do you feel appreciated? Do you feel like you are doing what you are meant to do? Like for me, service is a huge thing. Are you feeling like you are serving where you are? If that's something that is beneficial or meaningful to you. Those are all the things that I get to do every day. So what I'm really here, I'm really hearing you taking a holistic approach to somebody's work life balance and then i'm hearing like the productivity piece like uh helping them work on especially if you're talking about them moving into a managerial role something with higher responsibility and more people involved helping them navigate the interpersonal and developing the interpersonal skills to be able to effectively communicate effectively effectively delegate because the the skill set is different it's not just brass tacks 
but then also making sure they're able to show up as a complete person by balancing the, that life outside of work so they can show up consistently to do the job with the interpersonal skills and all those other things. Is that what I'm I'm properly hearing you like the path you help people lay out? So I, I help you advance your career and make more money and keep your day job because that's what people are trying to do is what I've found. And most people are, that I've worked with are not necessarily trying to be a full-time entrepreneur, but at the same time, the job that they have isn't fully satisfying them. So what they need is something on the side that is both beneficial from a financial standpoint, but also from gives them a, a way of fulfillment of doing the things that they know that they are good at or, or just wanting to do. So say, for example, um, I have a client, a finance bookkeeper um, who's always, you know, doing that day to day, but, you know, like it gets taxing. And also at some point you kind of max out on like your income. It's what, say about 60, 65,000 a year, but you kind of see yourself as someone who wants to make almost a hundred, a hundred a year. So how can you fill that gap of that $30,000, $35,000? Well, maybe a little bit of a side hustle or something like that. And maybe you can, and this person wants to do coding. So maybe learn some coding skills, but also learn the other skills that would help you build up your financial um, and, and emotional intelligence while you're at work so that maybe you can not only um, do make money on the side doing some coding, but maybe you can advance yourself from just a financial manager to maybe a financial director. So at the same time, you're leveling up both some, in some new skills and some using your old skills, but also you're able to just continue to advance mm. in both sides. And so your job satisfaction increases, you your life increases too, because you're like, Oh, I got, I'm able to make the money that I want to make in a different capacity than I thought I could. I don't have to put all the stress and weight onto one place. And plus, you know, when, when we talk about wealth, everybody knows having more, more than one revenue stream is the best way to go in not relying, excuse me, on one route. And if COVID taught us anything, it taught us that because hmm. jobs can be gone like that. So it's good to have a little something on the side if you want to, you know, just survive, right? In this jungle of a world, because that's what happens. Why didn't everybody leave? You know, you're like, you went to the water, you went to go get some water and like your whole tribe left. (laughs) Whoops, they're gone now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that it's nice when, there's a clear path or at least there's an organism there's more of a sense of an organized track laid out that's custom that you talked about like there's this other path that's laid out from right k through 12 and then xyz yes. years afterwards um with other things but after that becomes this this really open landscape and there's almost too many options so having somebody whittled down a custom track based off of what your preferences are and your individualized goals is super important. So obviously that's the, the, 
the basic bones of it. What's the biggest difference you find that with somebody who works with a coach and who doesn't work with a coach? Time that it takes to get there. I think that's going to be the biggest one. You, it's if I continue down my analogies, it's like you can either swim with a coach being like in the boat, you know, right in front of you, kind of guiding you the right way and even shining that light in the darkness or you can just jump into the ocean and just swim and might be swimming the opposite direction <laughs> you, yeah you you may be swimming one day like in the right direction and then one day you may be swimming right back to the shore where you just came from and you're like oh oops you gotta start over again that I, that's really what I would say if I was using an analogy. It, it's it's that simple. It's it's like having that little bit of a guiding light um, to help you get to where you want to go, because versus not having any kind of light or guide. And I think light and guide are two things that are so important. Because I can guide you, but if I don't shine that light too, then you won't make it, especially in those dark moments. Because, hey, we, we've been talking about it. This is not the easiest, making change in your life is not the easiest thing. And sometimes you need, you know, that person in your corner giving you a little water, <laughs> you know, to say, get back in the arena, get up, or, you know, get up, you know, <laughs> you, they're counting down, they're counting you down, nine, ten. Get out. <laughs> you know, you need that. Well, I think that that's something that's unaccounted for. Change is going to happen. Absolutely. I think you really brought up something really powerful. Change is going to happen. You can either do it and feel alone, or you can have mm -hmm. somebody in your corner. How do you want to go through this thing? It's really, yeah. a, and, and especially when you're talking about shortening the window of time. Right. So you can do it not alone. You can feel like you have a partner in crime who's calibrating you mm -hmm. and you're saving time mm -hmm. based on just doing it yourself and then having to navigate your own emotional quandaries inside and still make as best as possible, clear, concise decisions. I, I'm really bringing this up for anybody who's listening right now. And I'm, I'm always curious to hear other coaches talk about it, but I find that for the consumer, often somebody who has never had a coach, it's a bit of this abstract idea. I'm going to go talk to you and then things are just get, are going to get, just get better. It's not just going to get better. It's this is what you're going to have along the journey. This is something right. you could do it alone. Like everybody says like you have to have coaches. I don't agree with that from the yeah. simple parts of like you don't need to. But yeah. if you value time and you value having clarity and cal recalibrating yourself and having a system to get yourself back on track more efficiently with a great communication and great clarity. I mean, I know how I feel, especially if your livelihood is dependent on that and you're responsible to other people or you own your own business, what have you, you value your time. You want to get, be able to get work done sooner more efficiently you want to be able to communicate more effectively and you want to be able to steer the ship in the right direction 
understanding that the emotional intelligence stuff is, is massively important. Having somebody else to, to volley this back and forth off of is a, a massively valuable investment. So obviously and I want to go ahead. I would love to add to, to what you're saying, because like I said, I love using analogies and to just help bring it home. We've all gone through school, right? Whether it's math class or whatever. Uh, if you if you ever had to take a, a standardized test, like in maybe even an SAT, ACT, GRE, GMAT, any of those tests, and you're not necessarily the best test taker, or it's something unknown, like or something that's unfamiliar at the time, maybe you are a little rusty on your skills. There's things that you can do to improve that, right? You can go online and find like some help guides on like best strategies and tips to take the GRE, SAT or whatever, or you can hire a tutor, right? And this tutor, the difference between those strategies and the tutor is the tutor is going to give you real-time feedback that's personalized and custom to you, right? They're going to be able to help show you those blind spots. They're going to be able to say, hey, Chris, I know every time you you work on these analogies, you, you sometimes miss those. So let's focus a little bit more time on analogies because it looks like you got the synonyms right. Let's so let's focus on this, right? And I think that's really what a coach does. A coach helps guide you in the right direction to get you where you want to be. Because say for example, like these guy these entrance exams tests, right? If you want to go to an Ivy League school. Like, and you are like SATs, like 1600. Back in my day, it was 1600. So let's use that because I, I know that they've changed. 1600 is like the, the, the gold standard for an SAT, right? And if you want to go to an Ivy League, you need to be somewhere in between like a 1500 and 16. But if you are somewhere that is not necessarily up there, maybe you're at 13 to 14 and you only have about six months left before your college you know before the last test to get into to the school they're going to make the admissions decisions what are you going to do you know you i mean you can stay up all night screaming trying to study on your own and go at it alone and then maybe continue practicing the same thing and getting the same things wrong or you can hire someone to help shine a little bit of light and guide you towards where you want to be and help get you up to that 1500 or 1600, mm-hmm. right? It's a difference. It's that clear of a difference to me. And, and that's the way I explain it to people. I, I don't, I, like you, I, 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 I do believe in coaching. I do believe in tutoring, yeah. but that's because I also believe in high value, right? Like I'm yeah. probably more of the Ivy League person, right? I'm, I'm trying to strive higher. Like if you're not trying to strive high or, or if you're trying to, if you're fine where you are, then you don't need a coach right. perhaps, right? If, you, if you're content with where you are and you just want to keep making the same money, sitting in the same job, never grow in your position and don't have any other ambitions, fine. That's good. That's you. That means you are fine with your life. High five. If you are someone that look, is looking to grow, 
if you are looking to grow and you have ambition to be a little in a, in a bit further state and want to have a competitive edge, I would hire a coach. I'd like to hear your take on this. I think something that other people, people are also afraid of by hiring a coach is being held accountable. Of course, because that means you have to do it, right? You've got to show up every Tuesday, right? I mean, that's like, I mean, whether it's a personal trainer, coach, whatever, you got to show up and do it. And not, and the worst thing you can do is show up and don't have the homework done, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we start playing with, and a lot of people get caught up on shame and guilt as being bad things. Um, right. I don't think anything is good or bad. Obviously, there, there are a lot of coaches who just lean heavy on shame and guilt tactics to get people to do stuff, which is, yeah. in my estimation, that's not really a, that's not a long-term favorable situation. But the simple shame of what you're talking about, I didn't do my work. I said I was going to do something. I didn't do it that holding yourself accountable to your own standard is I think yeah. something really powerful around that. And also the, like, it's, it shouldn't be about like, I'm going to belittle you and berate you. It's the, I'm showing up for me here. I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't get my work done, that I didn't live up right. to the standard I set for myself. Having somebody there to just be the mirror and say, Hey, you, you said you wanted this. Is that still the case? And if you're like, yeah, it really is. And I didn't do the thing. I think there's something within that. I think that's, I think framing that those, the shame guilt paradigm there is super important. I think there are a lot of people. Thank you for that. You're right. You're so right. Yeah. So, I mean, because I always remind people, this is your life. It's not mine. And we all get our own lives to live. I'm just here to remind, you know, like I'm here to shine light and guide you. And I might shine a little light where you could do better. Like, and I don't, and I don't see it as, as shaming or guilt, guilting you into it. I show it as this is something that you can improve on. Yeah. I think it, it was just so important to just distinguish those two, because there are a lot of people who are like, you didn't do this. F you, you're bad, whatever, something along those lines. There's a, it, that's like, in my opinion, it's a lot of like the drill sergeant kind of stuff. Oh, that's, yeah. that's not my style. I think I have found that that's a very short lived type of uh, strategy for it, it does work in certain cases, but it's not long. Not, it's, and I have not found to be long-term fruitful for both parties. It's not, it's not love and truth. So it doesn't fit my style either. Right. Right. So I only have like a couple more questions, but What's been the best piece of advice you've received? I don't know how much coaching you've had. I mean, I've spent an ungodly amount of money on coaching and varieties yeah. of programs and things like that. But what's been some of the best advice you've received, the best insight you've received? Um, I mean, like, I think of things like do your best, but I also think of things like keep trying, keep trying. I think it's really kind of the, 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 the idea of be persistent, persistence and patience, passion, productivity. Yeah. All the That's P's. That's what it is. Yeah, all the P's. <laughs> I like that. And especially, 
you see a lot of people that just give up on their dreams after it didn't work out the first time, but you said it perfectly beforehand. You got to do training before you step into the, the arena for the actual game time type of thing. Yeah. That's, I think there's something so important about that and people don't ex- understand the process that leads up to uh, the high level performance and the lights and cameras and all this stuff when the shine is on. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes before that ever happens. It's not just innate talent. Um, so somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, I'm looking for a change in my life. Like what would be your, they're at that crossroads. What's your first piece of advice for them? My first piece of advice, if you're, if you're at a cross, if they, if they come to me and say, I, I, I'm at a place where I'm not sure. I would, my first question probably would be is what are you sure about? What is the thing that you are most sure of? Because that's reminding them that A, they have responsibility over their lives, but it, it's, it's remind, it gives them that peace and comfort of knowing that not all faith is lost. Not all hope is lost. Even though you may feel lost in this moment, it's not all gone. And that same feeling that you get by remembering what you are sure of is what you can have working with me. I love that your response to advice you'd give is a question. Oh, always. I love that because it's more about, (laughs) I see that as an overarching concept of allowing somebody to go back within themselves and, and reinstill their own confidence of, I do know something. I am yeah. aware of something. I, I'm not, you're, you are right. Not all is lost. You are aware of what do you know? So you can at least anchor to something that you feel confident in. I thought that was awesome. I love that. That was a really, yeah. really great question. What are you, what do you know? What yeah. are you certain of? What are you confident in? That's great. And it might be, I know I don't want this. It might be aware of what they are not, they don't want. And that's a great mm-hmm. starting point. Wow. That was that was phenomenal actually i've only got one more question for you my friend my favorite question to ask probably been anticipating it what is your purpose purpose shine a little light in the darkness to love to love i've i honestly i i hundred percent believe that i'm i'm meant to be more loving to myself, to other people. Um, and it's something that I struggle with every day, even in times of people where we feel like, how can you love that person, that being, or how can you love yourself, even, even with all the things that you've done. But I think if, if I, you know, when taking this back to the very beginning of the conversation, when you say like, who are you? And then like, at the end of my life, I would love for people to just say, he was just one of the most loving people that I've ever met. That would be, I would be good. You know, I I would rest in peace. (laughs) That's beautiful, man. I really, uh, I was excited for this conversation. I told you when I started, I knew we were going to get some depth here. And I think that especially men talking about love and acceptance and understanding oh, yeah. awareness oh, yeah. in this day and age, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty grateful that I 
I see the tide shifting that it's becoming less taboo and that we are oh, embracing yeah. empathy. Still yeah. understand how to be strong and stable and consistent with ourselves, but that's, I think that goes across the board. But love and empathy, I think, are two really powerful things that, I mean, the world can always use a little more of that, in my opinion. It's, you don't lose something by being loving and caring. Uh, that's, <laughs> I've yet to be proven wrong on that one, at least in my opinion. But, dude, I, I think you're fantastic. Um, and to that effect, somebody listening is like, man, I really like what Chris has to say. I'm looking for some more guidance. I'd like to have a partner in crime, somebody to, to shine a little light where I'm going in my life. I need some clarity. I need somebody to hold me accountable. I like his style. I like how he's going to appreciate me as an individual and take an overarching holistic look at where I want to go with my career and my life. What would be the best way for somebody to get in contact with you? Yeah, I, I would say uh, two things. Chris Donnell, two N's, E-L-L, coaching on Instagram or livingopenly.com. Yep. Perfect. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, my friend, so they can make sure to get in touch with you. Do you have anything else to share with my listeners today? Uh, this was fun. This was so fun and so fun i love that that's all i can say like i like i i I can't say anything else but i enjoyed this i I enjoyed it quite a bit my friend and uh it's been a pleasure just getting to know you in general and i i i I love growing friendships and and building these great deep meaningful relationships and especially you know making friends in the coaching community Uh, being friends with coaches is is awesome because everybody is that caregiver mindset. So you're always approached with love and, and at least that in my experience, I've had to have any like really hostile experiences with other coaches from that perspective. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, man, I just, I'm grateful for you. I think that what you're doing is fantastic. And I'm so happy that I got to have you on the show today. It's not going to be the last time, um, but you're awesome. And uh, like I said, to everybody who's listening, I'm going to put Chris's contact information in the show notes. Um, And until next time, much love. All right. Bye-bye.